Hi, this is Todd. And this is Kathy. Um, this is uh, part one of a two-part interview we did with Dr. John Duffy. Um, he just wrote a book called Parenting the New Teen in the Age of Anxiety, a complete guide to your child's stressed, depressed, expanded, amazing adolescence. Um, in part one of this two-part two part, uh, <laughs> two, two interview, two-part interview. Um, you we, should redo that part. No, keep it in. Emotional bank account. <laughs> Snapchat. These are some of the things we talked to Duffy about. Um, uh, what to do when you're beat down. Booze. Family secrets. Um, I love that you call it booze. Drinking. Uh, drinking. Alcohol. Alcohol, stuff like that. James Charles. Do we talk about weed? No, that's part two. Oh, okay. No, we don't. Because talk. call it weed. I know. I know. We talked about that. Um, and before we jump into the interview, Kathy has an announcement to make. <gasps> so everybody... We are conference, Zen Parenting Radio Conference 2020. It is February 28th and 29th, and our theme this year is There's More to the Story. Parenting, gender, leadership, we all follow the script we have been given, the story we've been told and that we tell ourselves. We carry these perceptions with us into our partnerships, into our parenting and our places of work, but there's so much more to life than that. So this conference is about empowering women, exploring healthy masculinity, and embracing our own authenticity because because the story is ours to rewrite. So this year, we have Rachel Simmons, who is, who's written so many books that I love, especially Curse of the Good Girl. Do you remember how much I talked about that book? I do, I do. Um, and her new book is called Enough As She Is, How to Help Girls Move Beyond Impossible Standards of Success of Success to Live Healthy, Happy, and Fulfilling Lives. She is going to be one of our keynote speakers. Um, we also have Tony Porter, who Todd and I absolutely adore. He is a healthy masculinity expert. He's co-founder of A Call to Men, which is an organization that I model my tribe men's group after sometimes. Um, he is an author, educator, activist, working to advance social justice issues and healthy masculinity. Yeah. And so he is going to be talking to men teenage boys. I mean, obviously us women who are going to be there too, but you guys, this conference is for the whole family. Yeah. Now, when I say the whole family, I don't mean young kids, but I mean like for mom and dad, mm -hmm. we are trying to have a more uh, comprehensive um, lineup. Yep. So we make sure we are hearing um, about women's leadership and about men's leadership and coming together. Now, one of the most important parts of that day is midday, we are going to have a panel um, focusing on transgender and non-binary yep. because we're talking about gender, but it doesn't always fall along those lines of, you know, specifically male and female. So midday, we're going to have a... Um, a panel, and we'll have this discussion um, with people who are experts, either, either personally, because they have transitioned, or they're going through that process, or they are a parent of somebody who is transitioning or who identifies as non-binary. Um, so that's going to be one of the best parts, I think, of the weekend to expand our awareness. And we're also having a breakout session in yes. the middle of the day yes. where Tony's going to be with a group of us, whoever wants to go with Tony and whoever wants to go with Rachel. So we're going to have, not not only are they going to have keynotes, one in the morning, one at the end of the day, 
we are going to have some smaller group sessions which with each of these two keynotes. So why that's so important is because the feedback we've gotten over the last three or four years, how many years have we done this, um, is that people want more time yeah. with these speakers. They want to be able to ask questions. They want more you know, Q&A. And so we are having both of these speakers obviously do their keynotes. So you're not going to miss either of them. But then during the day, you get to decide who you want to spend more time with and talk to. So that is Saturday. Now, Friday night, Todd and I are going to be um, giving a talk about um, sex. And what did we end up calling it? Uh, we used to call it um, sexuality for the 21st century. We're calling it sex education for grownups and teens. Mm. Why knowledge is power. Yes. So we're going to talk about why we need to talk about sex and how we can start that conversation. And some of the things that a lot of parents don't even understand today about how our children are learning about sexuality and their experiences with it. Um, so if you haven't had a sex ed talk with your kids yet, please come to this. And then after us, uh, Dr. Duffy, our buddy, who is going to be, you know, it's he's going to be on the show right here. Um, he is going to be talking about parenting the new teen in the age of anxiety. So you got to get there. You got to. This is this is a really deep dive um, conference. I'm more excited about this one than I have any of the others. And I, I know it sounds like that's what I should say because it's the one that's upcoming, but I truly am. I think people are going to leave feeling more inspired with more tools in their toolbox, more expanded, more expanded. And then we do, uh, the pre-conference workshop as well. Oh yeah. And this year, uh, you, Kathy always does it and she sells out, uh, but I am doing it with my uh, co-founder of the Tribe Men's Group, Frank Nago, and we're going to hopefully get some dads and maybe teenage boys, and we're going to talk about healthy masculinity. So the pre-conference workshops are on Friday, uh, February 28th from 3 to 5. Mine is called Rewrite the Story, Unlearning What Hurts and Living Your Desires. It's basically about reclaiming your self-worth yep. um, and kind of un, you know winding that onion um, and finding ways to connect and speak your truth and pursue pursue a life of meaning. Sweet, did you say unwind the onion? Unpeel. Yeah. Better language. Peel back the onion. Peel back that. Don't we unwind onions? I don't think I unwind any onions. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, and then Todd's is uh, called Building Connections and Redefining Masculinity. Um, it's Their focus is on becoming the best version of yourself. Very simple. Um, so before we press record or press play on the Duffy interview, uh, we have Pop Culturing, so make sure you subscribe to that. We have Team Zen, so make sure you subscribe to that. Tribe Men's Group. Todd Adams Coaching, and Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He's our founding sponsor. He'll be at the conference. Of course. Uh, avidco.net, 630-956-1800. And to access all these things, including your early bird tickets for the conference, go to zenparentingradio.com. Get your ticket for you. Get a ticket for a friend. Get a ticket for someone you work with, a teacher, and your teen. Bring your teen. I feel like this- Tw Only 25 bucks for them. Oh, yeah. Their theirs is super cheap. And I feel like not only will they be able to find a sense of self-worth through the the discussions and the the experts at this conference but you will have so much to talk about uh, from going forward it it's an opening into some of the most difficult conversations we can have with our kids and so this is that opportunity so don't miss it yes we want to see it um so here we go with john duffy do, 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 do. hey my name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 510. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is what? 
my darling. Uh, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I have, um, I, I think, my favorite guest of all time. Well, he must be because it's well, his no, fifth it's not time, true. right? It's not true. I had my mom and you had your mom. Okay. So we Sorry, John. Sorry, Our mom's John. Come before you. <laughs> oh, I was feeling good for a second. I know. We pulled it away. Um, <laughs> But John is a very dear friend of mine and Kathy's, yes. but I just I just love you, brother. And I'm just so excited to spend some time talking about his new book. Sweetie, what's the name of it? Well, I have to turn it over. It is called <laughs> Parenting the New Teen in the Age of Anxiety, A Complete Guide to Your Child's Stressed, Depressed, Expanded, Amazing Adolescence. What it like it okay, first of all, it's such a it's a great title because it's everything that's happening right yeah. now. These are the words, anxiety, stressed, depressed, but then because it's John Duffy, mm. expanded and amazing. Yeah. I bet you were like, I'm fighting for those words. Did you fought. have to fought? I bet fought you did. for those words. I bet yes, you exactly did. Otherwise, right. it wouldn't have been yours. Right. You know, right. I, when the, we did an interview with you, whatever, five years ago or whatever it was. And I remember one thing that struck me was that you never, you said you never met a teenager that you didn't really have high regard for, respect, love, insert your own word, understanding in a, in a world where everybody's just like coming down on these young people and yeah. you are, you're, I don't know. Advocate? An advocate. I was going to say teenage whisperer. That's probably not right. You're just a huge advocate for young people. And I get so sick of old people like me getting mad at <laughs> young people that are like 15 years old. Right. So you don't do that. No, um, no, I, I feel privileged to work with young people. I think it keeps me young in a way, and um, I'm grateful for them. And it's not, uh, it's not pablum to say I have not met a teenager I don't love because yeah. um, they are all amazing. At their worst, they're amazing. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. There you go. Um, so I have so many notes, and so does Kathy. And we might bust this up into two podcasts depending on how long we go. Okay. We'll see what happens. Remind me to talk about our partner too, sweetie. I always forget about I will. Jeremy. And Todd, just a podcasting note. Your microphone seems like you're on the side of it. Do you like that? Are you trying to be cool? I, I, I'm not trying to be cool, sweetie. I am cool. <laughs> I know that. This is the way I roll. But it's just kind of like on the side. You're kind of like talking in a, the side. That's the way I roll. Okay. Okay. Then I'm going to let you roll. So my roll favorite on. Super cool. Part, so, so one thing I love is look at this. To, for Julie. For Julie. He's, and this is more, I'm t we're not talking about the information yet. I'm talking about the human being of who this man is. <laughs> He's just in love with his freaking wife. I know. And I love just healthy marriages. And my goodness, you guys um, model it beautifully. Well, thank you. Julie, um, without a doubt, and, and what you're holding in your hands is great uh, uh evidence for it. Julie makes me better in every way. Mm -hmm. And what you're holding, that's not there without Julie. I mean, Julie is, Julie knows as much about teenagers at this point yeah. as I do. Yeah. And, um, and she is great at, there, there are swaths of terrible material that are not in there because of Julie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She kind of helped you figure out and you oh. know, what was going to stay and what yep. didn't need and to And she stay. just has this eye and then she'll, and she'll realize like, You've talked about this before. Why is this not in there? And, yeah. and, and you know, and so she'll give me these cues that I think anybody who writes needs a person like that yes. to, to remind them, like, oh, right, thank you. Yeah. I need to add something about that. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna just tease what we're gonna talk about in regards to this book um, before. So I'm gonna tease it first, and then I'm gonna do a quick sidetrack of your podcast with Julie last week because I told you you and I were gonna get into a debate. Yes. 
and I'm going to play that clip in Actually, a second. Okay, and you can play that clip, but because I've now read this book, I understand what he's saying. I know, but let's let's fight. Okay, let's fight. All right, let's have at it. <laughs> so real that's quick. Why, that's why the microphone's sideways. It's like a gunslinger. <laughs> totally. He's like, I'm here. Um, so part one is painting the picture, and you talk about the new teen, the early teen, social media, blah, blah, blah. Part two is addressing the issues, which is... The part that I, you know, I skimmed through parts one and three because you gave this to me last Friday, but I read the entire part two. And let me just tell you all what the sections of part two are. And think about this in terms of your teenager or maybe you'll have a teenager someday. Anxiety, heightened awareness, mental illness, the crisis crisis, alcohol, drugs, weed, prescription drugs, video games, relationships and sex, orientation, sexual assault, and suicidal ideation, like every one of those topics. Well, and that's why I said, I was in the middle of it last night, and I said to Todd, I said, everyone's going to get this book. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, if, well, we're going to help, hopefully help that happen, tell everybody about it, but everybody needs. And, and here's the thing that's so important about the way you lay it out. It's not overwhelming. It's just the heart center of mm. it. Does that make sense? It does, and that that's with some deliberation. Yes. It was it was um, kind of a high wire act to try to deliver all this new stuff. You know, like I, I wrote my last book about eight years ago, nine maybe, and the landscapes changed so dramatically for yeah. parents. So I didn't want to overwhelm or alarm, but I wanted people to feel uh, informed. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. One of your best quotes, gosh, I hope I can find it. It said something like, um, maybe you'll remember, go to school on this generation. Yeah. You said something like some statement like that, like parents, please go to school and learn about this generation. Well, and the way I interpret that, it's unlearn everything you thought yes. you knew. Yeah. Because when I was a teenager, it was 1985. Yes. It's 2019 and things are so different now. And uh, um, you're a beautiful writer and your message is so impactful. But what I think more than anything is this is, for me, just current information. Like right. I have questions for you because I think of myself as not an expert, but I know a lot about teenagers and there's some things in here that I'd never heard of. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, and you know what it helped me with that um, I was actually having a conversation with my daughter yesterday. And she was talking about how Sunday is a tough day. And there was this really deep part of me that wanted to be like, oh, I know, Sunday blues. I had it in college. I had it in high school. And I wanted to, like, share with her right. all of that I know and I get it, which is sometimes I do that too much with my kids. I, like, want to align rather than listen. Um, but I stopped and I said, well, tell me why Sunday's hard for you. And everything she said, I've never experienced. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? That alone is the point. That, that's yes. the whole point I'm yes. trying to make with this book is like, you know, the, these kids, our, our experiences, and I think our parents had a different experience because they could lay our, their experiences and parlay wisdom to their kids. As a generation now of parents of teenagers, you've got to be better listeners mm -hmm. than talkers um, because... I, I just like they always have kids kind of know your point of view on most things, yeah. but um, we don't know theirs. And yeah. uh, there is so much to learn. And I've had with, with everything you just mentioned, Todd, I've had the jaw dropping moment where I've had to ask a kid like, what is that now? Like, mm -hmm. t t you know, what, what are you talking about? Because I, yeah. I don't understand that at all. You right. know, like, and I've been working with you guys for yeah. ever. So yeah. every single one of these things is new to me in the last four or five years, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you're on the front lines. Like, you are, I don't know how many kids you help a week, but it's a lot. So, you know, I don't know if there's somebody more current 
that has written a book. Like it's just the timing of listening to this podcast and getting this book is is really outstanding. So I'm gonna go back. So you do two podcasts. One is called On Purpose with Heidi Stevens, and we hope to have you and Heidi here sometime soon. Oh, that'd be fun. And the other one is better with your amazing wife, Julie Duffy. And this is from last week's episode, and it's called Back to School and Off to College. And you guys are talking about activities and how busy kids should be. And this is where we're gonna have a debate. So listen up. College suddenly then, you know, you're in class, you know, maybe two or three days a week for part of the day, and you can, you know, that can, um, you know, be a lot to navigate all that free time. Five years ago, I think I would have been an advocate for, hey, take it easy, let your kid have some, a lot of free time, you know, to, to kind of investigate who they are and so their interests and things like that. Um, as shows up in this new book called Parenting the New Teen in the Age of Anxiety, um, I no longer feel that way. I like when kids are busy and occupied. If you want to keep depression at bay, anxiety at bay, hopelessness at bay, juuling and vaping and weed and yeah. drinking and all this other stuff, if you want um, the best antidote to that, not, not that that's not, never going to happen, but if you want that to be in the margins as opposed to the main event, Keep your kid busy. You know what I mean? A job, a sport, a group, a play, a club uh, that, that meets frequently. Get them engaged. They don't have to love it, and they probably won't right away, but find the right adults who are in charge, and they'll get into it. Yeah. All right, good enough. So I just stopped that clip. So first of all, I think the three of us parent and have this kind of outlook on life in a very similar way, and I think even this topic we probably agree with most of it. I think we do. It's, mm -hmm. it's really how it's delivered. But here's my hypothesis. Please. You're surrounded with kids who are brave enough to say, I need a little help and I go to therapy. True. And I, and I feel like that influences your take on this. And there are kids, because in this day and age, there's so many parents out there that are doing, it's the pendulum that goes all the way to the other side, which is keep them busy at all costs. There's no sense of boredom, blah, blah, blah. So I, th I throw it back to you. What, what do you, th are you still hanging on tight to keep them busy? Not at all costs, but at most costs. At most costs. Yes. I hold on to that. Um, I'm, we'll, we, we can debate this for an hour. If sure. you're like. <laughs> um, just because, um, there are so many influences our kids have. Have you seen a jewel? Um, no, but I've heard you talk about it a bunch so of times. So a Juul is this sleek little nicotine delivery system. Mm -hmm. And if you and I were 15 right now, and we had one of those in our hands for the first time, we would think, this is cool, man. Like, let's sit around and do this for a while. Right. Um, if you see Fortnite, Fortnite is amazing. You know, like, um, if you know how Snapchat works, Snapchat is unbelievable. If you are 16 years old, man, and you can be on that thing at two in the morning, you want to be on that thing at two in the morning. So I don't blame kids for being drawn to these things. Mm -hmm. um, so today, now, I do stand by, uh, we need to structure time more than we used to have to. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I stand by that because there are too many weird, what I would call pretty negative draws. And I'm, I try not to be judgmental mm -hmm. about the stuff kids are drawn to, but there are certain things out there that now are scary. Yeah. And the first time I sat down with you guys, a lot of this stuff didn't exist, yeah. you know? So um, because it's a little, because I feel a little more anxious about it, mm -hmm. my press is, yeah, let's keep our kids a little more occupied than we would have 
five years ago. What do you think? Well, and <clears throat> there's a difference in what we've always talked about on this show, because we've been doing this show eight years. So we're kind of with you where it's like there's some things that maybe we would have said five years where five years ago where it's a little different now. And the thing is, is it's not about getting them in activities so they excel and become number one and need to get the validation of the school and the teachers, which is a lot of what maybe five years ago parents were like, my kid has to be the best, yes. right? Yep. Now it's what can we involve you in that will keep you healthy? Even if it's like yesterday, it's so funny because another conversation with my child while I was reading this book where she was having one of those days where she was totally relaxing, watching Grey's Anatomy, doing what she loves, which I have no problem with. Right. Like it's Sunday, right? But I was like, and she had showered and all that kind of stuff. But I said, have you moved today? Because that's a big part of your book too, yep, like yep. moving. And she's like, well, and she was kind of telling me whatever. And I went into this whole talk with her about how, do you understand what endorphins are and dopamine? And do you understand how TV can feel good, but it's numbing? And again, my girls have heard this from me forever, but there was something about the moment that she was able to hear it. And she just decided to go jump on her bike and do something. Now that's not a structured activity. At your prompting. At my prompting. Um, that's not a structured Sunday activity, but I think it feeds the same part, which is in on a Sunday I'm not her coach, but I'm her parent. And so I can be like, you know, go grab something and do something and move because I'm monitoring what she's doing during the day. Now, I can't do that every day, yeah. which is why she volunteers and does sports and that kind yeah. of thing. But I think, you know, and again, and, and you can say it more eloquently than I, it is a different time of where we can't be like, go in your room for seven hours, see you tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. That's the challenge, right? Because there are things happening in the room, right? There, right. And, and, um, and so you, you imagine like that idea of being kind of like, think about the time that we spend on like social media. And if we're on there for half an hour straight, we're agitated, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and we're kind of aware of it. And yet, as adults, like we are seasoned adults and we still probably don't put it down. I'll speak for myself. Like I'm terrible at that. You yeah. know, I need a cue mm -hmm. to do that. And, um, and if I were 15 or 16, 17 years old, I'd be so drawn to this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you don't have this insight that tells you, oh, I should probably get out and move. That feels like a better story. I'll feel better at the end of a couple hours if I do that. So I love the idea of that cue. And I don't think it has to be highly structured. I think Absolutely. that just idea like, hey, just hop on your bike and I'll bet she felt better when she got back, Absolutely. even if she didn't say so. Even if it was because, okay, I pleased mom for a moment yeah. or, oh, that felt good. Or she came home from 7-Eleven with something. It doesn't really matter why. It's that it's, I think, part of this time in their lives is there, it's so nuanced and it's so hard to explain in simple sentences because I did give her a bit of an, I'm putting this in air quotes, lecture about here's what happens in your body. But I really didn't have a lot of judgment around it. No. I just kind of related it to myself. Like I said to her, I go, do you know every morning I really don't want to go to yoga? And I said, but when I do, I love your word, John, it does make a better story for the day. Not just like, oh, I can tell people, but everything, the story of the day unfolds a lot nicer. Right. I feel better. I feel like I got something done. Um, I, you know, I know I did something healthy for myself and that's what our kids have to have bad days where they Netflix all day and feel like crap for sure to then understand why going, getting on your bike or calling a friend feels better. Yep. And, uh, it's interesting in the, uh, to your point, Todd, in the, um, sanctuary of a therapy room, kids can reflect on that and yeah. say, you know, like what I did was I just Netflixed all day yesterday and 
you know, kind of maybe I'm out of my mind about it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I wish I had done something yeah. interesting or different. Yeah. Um, so they have some insight. And also to your point, which I, what broadly I think you're getting at, I do think kids need some time that is unstructured. I, I, I think, you know, an, an hour or two a day where they're just like hanging out and doing their thing, whatever their thing is. I don't think we have enough of that actually. Mm -hmm. um, right. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, but if there's six hours of that, right. you know, like I will get referrals and, and parents will, because it feels normal now, parents will say, eh, he plays video games, you know, maybe four, five, six hours a day. And, you know, and, and he's depressed and, you know, we're, we're concerned about him not putting those pieces together. Like, oh, there's a reason he's depressed. <laughs> and that's why, you know, like that's a big part of the reason why we sure. need to shift the whole story, the whole dynamic for him. Yeah. And, you know, and, and sometimes it takes a parent card. You got to play that card and say, you know what, I'm going to throw down here and you've got to do something different. So I've been doing this podcast with my, my wife for eight years and I'm now arrived at like a new um, understanding. And, and the understanding is this, you, John and Kathy, who have written books for parents, how hard it is to give anybody any advice about anything is so tricky because uh, you and I were just talking about this weekend. Like if somebody, you know, we were at a party and she's, the person's like, I don't know what to do with my kid with this. Like, I need to know like 15 things before I give anybody advice, anything. I mean, unless it's, you know, unless my advice is love your kids, stay connected with them, don't beat them, like, you know, that stuff. But other than that, maybe the worst thing in the world for me to tell somebody is to, hey, go sign your kid up for an activity because maybe that kid's overscheduled to begin with. Or or vice versa. Or conversely, yeah. like, let your kid be bored. That kid's bored six hours a day on game. So anyways, it's just kind of a realization that there is no way to parent in my judgment. There is no one way One to way parent. to parent. No, I, I totally agree with that. You know, and every kid is so different. And Kathy, I'm kind of curious to hear what you think. I think it's really difficult. I think you're right, Todd, to provide a framework for parents Absolutely. to think within. You know, um, that's that's the trickiest part of, for me um, in, in writing with authority to parents is, you know, like to say like, you need to do this specifically in this circumstance when... If you, you don't have to know many families to know like, oh, that circumstance, that story yes. can be delivered the same way, but it's different in every situation. Mm -hmm. And the world that we're in offering information, and maybe you found this too with your book, but a lot because I write more nuanced and I'll kind of give examples and then kind of throw in things. The, what the feedback I often get is this needs to be more directive. Mm -hmm. You need to say, do this, and then give us five points at the end that someone should follow. And I can't do it. <laughs> Guess what? I have six points from John Duffy to follow. Because what's interesting is you bring up the topic, and then you basically say the same thing after every topic. Every topic. So this is, this is what... You, you, you sound like my publisher. <laughs> this is exactly what you say. And, and, and I stand by every single one of these, as I'm sure you do, sweetie. Talk to your children in an open and ongoing discussion free of lectures. Absolutely. That's like, the, like that's a commandment. Uh, that, that's a commandment. That's kind of, for, for me, that's parenting one-on-one. Right. And if, I, if nothing else gets delivered, run with that. Right. And, and I was just going to say, like, the, what I always need to explain when we discuss that um, is parents really still believe in this hierarchy 
where they will talk, you know, you were talking about identities, different identities. Yes. Parents have different identities too, where they talk a certain way to their friends and their neighbors and then to their kids. They do this, you know, looking down at their kids, talking in a totally different voice. And I'm like, be your kid's friend. Oh, no, no. I was told I should never mm. be my kid's friend. That's like an old thing, right? Absolutely right. Where that was like the message from 10 years ago. Never be your kid's friend. Well, no, I don't mean like party with them. I mean like talk to them like a human being. Right. Like you would talk to uh, a friend. Is, don't you think that'd be a good litmus test? Like this is, somebody's going to get upset when I say this, but like if you talk to your girlfriend in the same mannerisms and tones as you talk to your daughters or your sons, that's probably a good thing. Wouldn't you say? I would say, again, nuanced, because if you're totally swearing and smoking and right. drinking with your friends, it's <laughs> right. but uh, that's always, I write about this a lot. That's always my goal yeah. is that when I'm with my kids, if my friends come up, I don't want my kids to think, wow, she's different there. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm at work and my kids come like to the conference and then they go, oh, wait, mom's different there. I want to be the same person in every situation, yeah. maybe having different authority, but the same person. Yeah. yeah, and you're and you're modeling something there, right? You're modeling this consistency and integrity for your kids and you have to remember that too. Like that's the biggest part of parenting. The thing the messages your kids get aren't going to be from what you say, they're going to be from what you do. Mm -hmm. That's such that feels like such kind of like pablum, but that's just true. Mm -hmm. Um and uh and the other thing your kids are going to notice is if you're different with them than you used to be. In other words, like as they cross into this scary plane of adolescence or the tween years or whatever, if you suddenly are different with them, if you're more kind of like hands-on and demanding or adversarial, which mm -hmm. happens all the time, yeah. you know, because you're right. We parents, we have a lot of identities to juggle. And this is, it's hard to parent now. It, it, it's harder, I think, than it's ever been. And so our own anxieties are kind of at the fore, and um, and it's so hard to keep that in check, but we have to figure out ways to do that because our kids are already anxious, and they can't they can't handle ours as well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So we can't just pass that down. We have to kind of do some kind of cutoff in that delivery system. So here's a second commandment okay. according to Dr. John Duffy. <laughs> and I'm just making that language up. It doesn't say that in the books, but these are the bullet points. It's on stone tablets, so it's fair. <laughs> so parents, listen up. This is good advice. Pump up the balance in the emotional bank account you maintain with your child so that your words carry weight. What does that mean? So um, I, I um, learned about the emotional bank account 20 years ago when Daniel Goleman wrote Emotional Intelligence. And um, I find it to be the corniest, cheesiest way to describe the dynamic in a relationship, and it's my only favorite way, <laughs> you know? So I rely on it heavily. So you can tell from the sum total of your interactions with anybody, you know, with, with each other, with, with me, um, with your kids, with your parents, uh, what the vibe is in your relationship. So as parents, if you feel like, I don't know, I feel like I'm delivering all the right messages. Nothing's working. Like I, I can tell that he or she just isn't with me on this. Mm -hmm. The answer's probably in the emotional bank account in that a lot of the time that you spend with your kid has to have nothing to do with parenting, has to be kind of easy and fun and playful and family related, you know, like connecting. 
Uh, and we forget that. We forget that because we get anxious about like wanting to deliver the message. Oh, I only have so much time as my kid becomes a teenager. I have to deliver these messages and I have to do it in a timely way because college is right up there. I can see it. I can see it in the, you know, coming in, 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 through the windshield. So I've only got moments here. I'm going to have to grab them all. And the more you grab, the, the more diminished that balance is in the bank account. Mm -hmm. The more and I say 80% of the time should be playful and fun and connecting yeah. and getting to know them and them getting to know you. And then when you have something to lay down, when you have your momentary lecture, Kathy, you mm -hmm. know, like you get that then because your kid knows, okay, we're in the same camp. We're allies. We're not adversaries. And so we can work together. I'm yeah. willing to listen to you on this. Yeah. Number three. Ask open-ended questions about issues they may well be struggling with that you're either unaware of or do not fully understand. Yeah. Um, an awful lot of what your kids are going through, you simply do not get. Um, in, in my talks lately, I've started with asking parents to tell me how Snapchat works. Yeah. And uh, it's so funny to hear what people think this is and you know exactly how it works. It, nobody has any idea. It's, it's, I it, don't. Right? I don't. Well, I you do. do. I, like I use it. Uh -huh. And I have a joke with my kids because I send them snaps uh -huh. all the time. And I will write, like, if I'm in bed and I take a snap, I'll write in bed snap or like <laughs> driving in the car snap. And last weekend, they both sat down with me. They go, Mom, you don't have to write snap. <laughs> After every, and I go, I know I'm trying to be funny. That's I'm like, great. I'm trying to pretend I'm yeah, trying, trying to be to the old person yeah, right. who doesn't know how to, but the filters are freaking awesome. Yes. If I had those filters growing up, John, I would have been doing Snapchat all the time. So fun. I know. So fun know. And, and art in a way, right? It, it, is. it really is. I look great with purple hair. <laughs> do, so wait a second. So I'm jumping in, okay. but do do kids use Snapchat more? It's it's more than filters. It's like oh, it's text. It's, it's how they text. text. It's, it's so it's fancy memes. text. Yeah, that's what it is. Kids do not text much anymore. Right, like they, they, they snap. you know use it. Yeah, they snap. And this generation is more picture art. Uh, uh, you know, they're emoji more driven. emoji, yeah. whereas the generation before them, yeah. the generate uh, the millennials, they were much more text yeah. focused. Got so it. this generation, it's visual. Got it. Okay. Two more. And then we'll get into the, the guts of the book. Inform yourself frequently. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you don't know what you don't know. And the, the world your kids are in is, is such a vast frontier of new stuff mm -hmm. in every way. The information that they bring in and the way they bring it in. We're unfamiliar with that. Um, you know, what, what sites they're frequenting, we don't know that. We don't know whether our nine-year-olds have seen porn, mm -hmm. you know, like we really don't. And um, uh, so the more we ask our kids, other people's kids, our uh, nieces and nephews, talk to a lot of people about what's going on, read about what's going on. You know, like there's... Um, you guys are probably familiar with on parenting this column in the Washington Post. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, grown and flown on uh, on um, Facebook, Facebook yeah. and this podcast. There's ways to learn what's going on, and I don't know if it was that crucial. I can't remember in a way when my son was 13. I don't think it was quite so crucial to know everything that was going on. Now it's there's a lot of peril out there. There's a lot of scary stuff, and so. You can't protect your kids from it, but I think the more you know, 
the more as a parent you are ready to go in feeling like, okay, I know my stuff. It's kind of like a teacher walking into a classroom with a lesson plan or with nothing, you know, yeah. and, and it's very difficult to get in there with no plan whatsoever yeah. or no knowledge even of like, what's the deal with yeah. your life? And, I, and I'm going to guide you through it anyway, you yeah. know? What's yeah. the deal? <laughs> well, even things like, you know, I remember like 10 years ago when my girls were really little, being in line at a grocery store and like seeing a magazine and being like, now do you guys understand that this person, they're probably a lovely person, but they've also had 10 people work on them all day. This has been airbrushed, cut, pasted, whatever. And so just giving them an idea that this isn't real. Right. And so now there's such a heightened level of that. Like you don't really believe that everyone who has money and fame and cars and all these YouTubers are like happy all the time. And are they ever happy is the question. And it's like, and even that word happy, differentiating that from content and what meaning is. I mean, it's so deep. Like when parents are like, I'm not quite sure what to bring up. I want to be like, what is there not to bring up? Anything, anything, right. Ask about like, we did a show uh, I don't know, about a month or two ago when James Charles, who's a YouTuber, went through this whole thing with this woman named Tati. Mm-hmm. I know you may have yep. remembered it. So my girls follow all these people, Jeffree Star, everything. And so I was kind of listening and watching and we brought it up on the show because it was a really interesting lesson in friendship and, you know, cancel in in an effort to cancel others, canceling yourself and even knowing what that word means. Right, right, right. right. And, and there were so many people that I got emails from saying, I brought up, I said to my child, do you know who James Charles is? And they had this amazing discussion. You have to know, you don't have to like follow them the way our kids do, but just like you said, John, pay attention. Yeah. Who, they don't watch TV shows, they watch YouTubers. I mean, they watch some shows, yep. but you know what I mean. Oh, absolutely. Um, it reminds me of this story. I worked with this family maybe a year or so ago, and Mom was kind of dismissive of her son, kind of like, and, and she she will listen to this and she will understand. She's yeah. told I have a little permission to to use this, so um, she she kind of like dismissed him, like, oh, he doesn't know what the other kids know. He's he's absolutely in the dark. And I got her alone in the room one time, and I just said, I I wouldn't I wouldn't lead with that. I mm-hmm. wouldn't you know I I wouldn't assume that at all. I'd be curious about what he does know. Um, play that out a little bit and let me know. And so she came back a couple of weeks later and she was like, oh my God, mm. he knows everything. He knows so much more than I do about what's going on out there. I had no idea. And he was just, he was in his room on his phone and I thought, oh, he's playing a game or something. You know, like it's gotta be fairly innocuous, but he's first brilliant and she didn't quite grab that. Um, but also he was really, really well-informed and a lot of kids are, they know a lot about what's going on and there's there's a lot of good news that, that I tried to disseminate in the book about because kids are inundated with so much information, they're learning to be fairly critical thinkers at pretty young ages. Like, you know, if they hear like, you know, okay, so this Jeffrey Epstein guy who, you know, like I think I've heard a little bit about him, killed himself in prison. Some people are saying he didn't. I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a dig on this. You know what I mean? And like kids and they'll, they'll look they'll see it on Reddit first and then they'll start looking at something that's a little more reputable and they know how to dig around. You know, some kids are have shared with me the way we teach kids now doesn't make any sense because there's an internet, you know? <laughs> so we need to shift that a little bit because as one kid put it, what do you want to know? What do you want me to learn today? Edgar Allan Poe, mm. give me 10 minutes and I'll give you a PowerPoint. Wow. 
Yes, it's all accessible. <laughs> yes. And you know, on that note, like I love that you said I try and give the good news because, you know, my daughters, um, they're like, who do you think is going to be in the next Democratic debate? I don't ever remember talking about that oh when insane. I was a kid. Yes. I was like, okay, I can go through the presidents, I think. I mean, they'll be like, do you really think the attorney general is going to... I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, how do you know this? And they have things like these shows, and I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's called like First Look or something. It's something that they watch. Is that the Channel One News? Channel One, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they get this news, and then one of my daughters loves pop culture, so she'll be like, you know, whatever season is coming out next year. And again, we may say pop culture is not important, but I think it is as, you know, something I love, and it's definitely our children's world. Oh, I mean, for pop sure. culture is our children's world. So access to information and being able to kind of be more engaged. Yep. In a political way, in a, you know, like you said, in an academic way, that's not a bad thing. Mm. We just have to, again, nuanced. We got to hone it a little bit. Um, and I would say, like, with one of our kids, like, to your point, um, she has all this knowledge. She doesn't offer it to me, right. so I have to dig. Yeah. And sometimes if you don't dig, you just assume that they're completely disengaged with this or that. So anyways, it's just... And if I could just add, like, you know, so you mentioned pop culture, and I know this is a thing that you guys are yeah. about this right now, which is very exciting. And um, and a lot of parents will assume, like, you know, well, my kid's following, like, Lady Gaga and some rappers and, you know, on, on Instagram. So what they're interested in is pop culture, not recognizing that everything's interwoven exactly. so that those people are talking about politics, which is pop culture now. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about every issue in this book. And, yeah. you know, um, kids, they, they learn everything from everybody. Yeah. And, um, and, and they're, inundated and overwhelmed that's yeah. that's a big part of it too is yeah. that you know it's exhausting how much they're taking in at really really young ages right okay so the last commandment as i'm calling them <laughs> um so just to recap first one i'm just summarizing free of lectures number two emotional bank account number three ask open-ended questions number four inform yourself and the fifth one which is my favorite a little esoteric but good do you have any idea what i'm about to say i have no idea maintain your precious connection with your child always yeah and that's it's hard like okay how do i do that but that's what we say all the time kathy is connection trumps everything well, every the other four there that you read rely on the fact that you have the connection if you do this if you do the first four you will you will be connecting with and them. vice versa yeah you'll be able to engage in the other right. four like the conversation i had with cameron i i did most of the sunday i'm like go relax chill whatever then she comes and sits in a chair with me and i'm like hey do you know what dopamine is like do you know like we, she's like she doesn't think i'm already ready to judge her right or or make her choices poor or say you're not doing what other people are doing all that crap we lay on our kids so Again, connection. Talk about it more, John. What that, that that, that's such a good point. Like your your moment with Cameron wouldn't have happened if you hadn't laid all this groundwork. If you weren't maintaining the precious connection. And I the, the wording is esoteric, deliberately because mm -hmm. I want parents to kind of think back and remember. Oh, I'm crazy about this person. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I, I love this person, and you know, right, right, and they're amazing. You forget like. Oh, I don't have to control this whole thing. Yeah. I, I can just marvel at him or her for yeah. a while, you know, like, and, and that there's value in that. That's what gets you all. You're right, Kathy. All those other commandments are followed by and large. If you do that, if mm. you're, if you maintain the connection and you are allies. And I think you guys would agree, like 
Um, the joy in parenting, which is becoming more joyless for more people, yes, I think, um, comes from that connection. Like, you know, if you have a moment with your kids where you laugh, you know, if there's a show that you watch together or even something irreverent that they think about or do and you play with it or you joke about it, or if you if you continue, even after your kids give you the cue to say, still in bed, snap, snap. you know, <laughs> you know, like now they know you're in on the joke, you know, play all that stuff up. The kids are fun and funny and they want you to be with yes. them, you know, like they don't want you to be disconnected from them. They don't want you to be a million miles away. They need you close. And the way to give them the message that you're there is the fun part. This is the part of parenting you want to spend most of your time on is like, let's have fun together. I want to know what you're about. I want to know what the deal is. And we bring this kind of odd formality. I see it all the time. Seriousness and formality. And it's business-like. Parenting becomes business-like at some point. And how wretched is that, right? Yeah, I mean, terrible. this is not what we're here for, like on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're here to create these great connections and maintain them. And then, and then, you know, lo and behold, your kid begins to foster great connections. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's kind of this, this kind of overwhelming uh, wave of goodwill you can continue to create, and too many of us out of our own fear stem that. Just stop it cold. Well, and when you find yourself, because we all have those moments or days or weeks or months or even years when, as parents where we're just beat down and we treat it as a serious business transaction that you're just supposed to get this kid to college or whatever, my recommendation, and this is just such a kind of shallow tool, but go back and look at some baby pictures of your kids <laughs> and remember... Because that they are those people. They are those little two-year-olds running around in diapers. But it's so easy to forget that. I don't think it's a shallow tool. I think really? it's a great, Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And and I would add to that, I think I had this in the first book, but I, I definitely said this at your conference, is sometime just go into, you know, sit down in the room where your kid is now. Mm-hmm. And without even addressing them, just watch them mm-hmm. for a while, you That's know, good. and remember like, oh, yeah. He or she is awesome. Like you know, just yeah. watching that show, you know, just w- look at the look at their features yeah. and and remember, like that's that's part of you, and this this is what an important part of your life. This yeah. person, right? And don't and you watch want what, them to be, feel joy, and don't watch what they're doing. Watch what they're being. Yeah. What I mean by that is because I could see parents like, oh, watch my kid play on the phone for a half an hour. Like, no, that's not what we're talking about. Right. Like, look at the essence of who this person is. Feels a little more esoteric, but yes, I mean, yeah. that's that's right. You know, like, see who she is. Yeah. Well, and so, to, so many things. There are... First of all, one thing we talk about with all three of our girls is how really who they were as a little baby is still who they are. Mm -hmm. Like we can see these elements that have kind of, you know, even if they've gone in different directions, we wouldn't have, um, you know, expected. Like they've all surprised us in many ways. They've become, you know, their personalities or the things they've liked, we couldn't have predicted. But there's this element that runs through them that when we notice it, we always point it out Mm -hmm. and say, oh, that just reminds me so much of who you are. Mm -hmm. Like to remember that... You know, some of the advice that I, I give a lot to people is when they're struggling with their kids is remind them that you know them. Yes. Like when they're struggling or when they do something, somebody brought up on a Team Zen talk the other day that they're like, my kid will kick my other kid and I'll say, why are you doing that? And that's frustrating. And they will immediately get defensive and be like, I didn't, I didn't, even though it's <laughs> obviously did. And I'm like, maybe in that moment it's too heightened, but remind them that 
you don't think of them as a kicker who wants right. to be violent. You know them. And, you know, you can say, I, I have known you since, and, you know, moms, if they gave birth to them, can say, I've known you since you were before. before. Yeah, I knew and you so before. I know you and I trust you and I know you've got this. And all I'm doing, you know, I always say to my girls, my job is, my job is, is to just remind you. Just yeah. remind you who, you know, like, and and support you when you need it, which is to the other piece that why your book was so meaningful to me, you know, besides just having all this great information is you said so eloquently what is so important, which is all this stuff you're sharing, John, parents need to have room for it. Mm -hmm. They need to make room so their kids can come to that. Not only because we've been, the three of us have been discussing how we can go to them, right? Our kids have to know we can handle what they're bringing to us. Yes. Because this is what I hear from, you know, I always hear my child was in a crisis. They've been in a crisis a year. They just told me, or I found it on their text or whatever. And yes. they haven't been telling me. So tell us why, John, because you know, why are kids not going to their parents? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's because they they know what's coming. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and if they know what's coming and what's coming is mm, they're going to try to correct this or fix it or whatever, um, I'm going to go to my friends instead. You know, uh, And that does happen I, on the worst day. I kind of described that a few times in there and in kind of frightening detail that you know, it, it, suicidal kids don't go to their parents. They often go, not as a rule, but more and more because their friends are accessible. So the more, I, I think as parents, we have to be super accessible, Kathy. I think we have to, the, to maintain the through line and the precious connection. We have to let our kids know, hey, you can talk to me about anything. Nothing is off limits. And we have to own that. We And that's the hard part is like, you know, because kids know about sex and drugs and all the stuff we would prefer they not know about. And the stuff that makes us queasy doesn't necessarily make them queasy. So if we're open, they're probably going to talk to us about it. Mm. But if we're not and we give the message like, mm, I'm going to judge that. I don't approve of that. So, you know, you best go somewhere else. And it is uh, a hair, it, it's a tightrope walk to stay on the right side of that messaging, but it's crucial in parenting right now to stay on the right side of that messaging and make sure your kids know, oh, I'm, I'm not for you drinking at 17 because that is against the law. That said, you can come and talk to me about that absolutely anytime and no questions asked, I will come and pick you up at the party yes. and we will work it through another time. You know, like there, there's, um, there's a way to deliver the messages that says, we're still on the same team, no matter what. Even though this uh, makes me really unhappy, you screwed up pretty badly here, I still know who you are, and we're good. Mm. We're good, we're a team, we're gonna make it through this. Absolutely. So we're like uh, 41 minutes in, and I just got through the intro. <laughs> John's book. Well, so here, here's what I wanna do, sweetie. Um, these are some of the topics I'm hoping that maybe we can touch on, but I want you to choose, or if you have something else, booze, weed, Relationships and sex. And call it weed. Don't call it marijuana. Gotta call it weed. Yeah. Uh, 
video do game. Do not be that dorky do, parent. Do not be like a <laughs> cannabis plant that you've been smoking. <laughs> Mary Jane, isn't that it? Let's, let's yeah, think like, of all the different words. This is all words. the 80s yeah, yeah. Gen X words that right. we had. And by the way, I heard that marijuana Pot. was actually brought, that word was brought to scare us. Like that word was meant to be, like there's all this history behind weed that we didn't even know. And so we're going to remove marijuana mm. from the, our, right. our vernacular here. So where do you want to start somewhere else or do you want to start with one of those topics? Because I got a lot of questions and comments and things like that for John. Um, I I have so many things. Go, go. I've, I've well, started. Why don't you ask a question because I feel like I've been going back and forth with John. You go ahead and then I will go through. I Just so everybody knows, I read John's book and I like cut and pasted all of these things that I want to bring up and they're like six pages in I know, front of me. That's so you go and then I'll come. If you want to feel good about yourself, by the way, write a book and then Todd and Kathy will be all over <laughs> you. will feel like a million bucks and you don't care if anybody buys one ever. <laughs> I was surprised by how much time I took reading the part about alcohol. I thought I kind of had a good understanding of it, a good relationship with it as far as my kids go. But, you know, there's a few things that kind of struck me. And this is all from your book. Recent studies suggest that on average, children begin drinking alcohol between ages 13 and 15. A, dra- a generation ago, this is approximately three or four years later. Yeah. 13 to 15. On average. So picture like, you know, there are 11-year-olds right. who are drinking. And I've worked with those kids. Yes. That, I mean, that I can tell you with absolute certainty that, that the taboos affiliated with some of these things at young ages, that idea like, oh, we're not even going to think about this until we're 16. Yeah. And that doesn't, that doesn't really exist anymore. anymore. Um, and so, you know, that, that's why I think it's important. That's, I threw that statistic in there because I want parents to know um, the ages that we typically consider adolescents uh, that you, you got to shift your thinking down yeah. a few years and, yeah. and your kid's going to be okay with that. Your kid, your child will be open to that. And you start with curiosity. You know, what do you know? What's going on in your class? Ask questions. Um, you say at the foundation for advancing alcohol responsibility, F-A-A-R, it's an acronym, has found that before eighth grade, 24% of children have consumed alcohol. And what you say is that the initial conversation should start at eight or nine. And yes. I could just see parents being like, why would I dare bring this up to my third grader? Yeah, yeah, Why? absolutely. So um, the uh, the subtitle for the book, Kathy, you talked about a little bit. I initially had the ages eight to twenty four in there, starting that teenage talk at eight with with every kid. I eased up on that a little bit because um, I think taking the maturity level and the developmental level of your kid into consideration is important. Mm-hmm. That said, I stand by that for most of what we talk about in here. 10 is too old to start talking about it. Right. So at eight or nine, you, you, you don't want to say like, you know, all right, so um, this this is what a shot is. It's equal to a beer. And this is what a keg stand is. And this is, you know, um, but you do want to talk about like, you know, so let's talk about alcohol. Your, your eight-year-old will not be floored, will not be surprised, has heard about it, knows what it is. They have friends with older brothers and sisters who drink. They've been listening to music that, you know, explores the idea of alcohol. So bringing this up to even your eight-year-old is not going to be alarming if you bring it up in kind of a developmentally appropriate and curious way and keep the lecture out of it. Just get, 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 get some, start gathering your intel. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, uh, and, and learn a little bit about what they know. Right. And, um, and 
you know, I've worked with a couple of precocious eight-year-olds, a seven-year-old actually most recently, who wanted to know everything about alcohol. Mm. Well, how do you get drunk? How much does it take to get drunk? Mm. When is it a problem? Are you an alcoholic because you drink every day, daddy? You right. know, like, <laughs> you know, like really has these questions. Right. And so this dad was like, I answer them. Like yeah. I, I sit him down. I'm, I, I walk him through the whole thing, you know, mm -hmm. like, and because he wants to know and he has really pointed, direct, smart questions right. and he's a, he's a discerning kid. So sometimes it's seven or eight, your kid can take a lot, yeah. you know, sometimes you just ask a few questions, you leave it be yeah. and you tell them, we can talk about this anytime. And, and this, you're not hearing the last of me yeah. from about right. it. Yeah. And so the other side of that, because John is a hundred percent correct, as far as like waiting till they're 10 or whatever, they, they're seeing it, experiencing it, seeing it on shows. It's, it's even a joke in Disney movies when someone's drunk or they've had too much. Sure. So it's like, what's going on? And it's also, this is, and I know parents don't like this, but this is the self-awareness piece is how are they watching you with alcohol? Yeah. Because if what they believe alcohol is, is a group of people come over, they get hammered, everybody is a little weird and different, and then people end up sleeping on our couch and they're there in the, ne the next morning, that's what a kid, it, even if you tell them a different story two days before then, which is alcohol is just to drink at dinner and to right. whatever, if what they're seeing is a whole different thing. That's what they know. Like something that Todd and I, because um, Todd and I are, we don't actually drink that much, but we're social drinkers. Sure. Like, you know, we'll go out, um, sometimes I'll have a glass of wine. It's not in the house that much, but we're, we've always been open about drinking in front of our kids. And we've, since they were little, if we go on a date downtown, now we're lucky because uh, downtown is only like eight blocks away from us, meaning downtown Elmhurst, is we will drive down there and then we walk home. So our kids, and when they were little. they'll have to pick little, up the car the next yeah, morning. So, so the whole family is part is of part the of going it. to get the car. So they'll be like, when they were little, why do you leave the car? Why do you leave the car? Because I had two glasses of wine last night and your dad did too. Okay. So that's just a thing yeah. that they've grown up with. Now, I know this generation is much better about drinking and driving. At so least that's what better. they tell us. But that was one of our very, that was, we put a fine point on that. And never said anything, really. No, I mean, we just, just lived it. it. Yeah. Exactly. So more about that. Like kids are, they're watching you. Again, yeah. it goes back to what we said about it's not what you're saying, it's what you do. Well, and I think understanding a little bit more about that. Um, I, I've worked with a lot of kids who are alarmed when their parents drink because they don't understand, like, why are they acting differently? And I think if you explain a little bit about alcohol and with a lot of these topics, what we want to do, uh, again, out of our own fear, I think, as much as anything else, is we want to be black and white about it. Alcohol is a bad thing, right? You know, but in fact... It's not, right? You know, you guys would go out, you have a couple of glasses of wine. Why, mom? You know, and you can explain it. You know, like, actually, a couple of glasses of wine when you're an adult, and it, this is, it's really relaxing, and it's kind of fun, and there's a reason that people do this. There's a reason that you're hearing about it all the time. There's a reason also that you shouldn't do this now. So to give them kind of a 365-degree view, and part of this has to do with just respecting the intellect of your child, right? You know, um, and not talking down to them. I, I I think it's really important to recognize they're gonna understand if I explain this to them. And so many parents do not want to share any of their stories with their kids. Like, oh no, no. If I tell them I drank when I was a teenager, I'm giving them tacit permission mm. to drink. And I don't know the kid for whom that is true. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like if, if anybody parents that are listening, um, Tell your story. Your, your, your kids are dying to yeah. hear your stories. And if you want to foster the connection even more and, and make yourself relatable, yeah. 
talk about what it was like when you were their age or a few years older. Talk, and your cautionary tale might be their reason for waiting another year or two, you know, like, and sometimes that's what you're doing is you're buying time a little bit and getting into that safety zone. But at the very least, you're keeping the line of communication open. Like, you know, we can keep talking about this and I'm not going to tire of that. And I will give you my full view, but I'm also going to give you my opinion. Yeah. Right. We've been so lucky because not only have, you know, Todd and I have definitely shared stories and they get bigger as my child, my children get older. Of course. Like the story I told them when they were 10 versus, I was just telling John this story, you know, like how, you know, maybe the, what I shared when they were really young, it, I then give more detail as they get older. And we've also been blessed that Todd, um, his sister has been in recovery for years and she's been able to share her stories of addiction with Mm -hmm. our children because this is something that's real in our family. And so it's like, not only do you need to hear, you know, oh, my mom and dad walk home after two glasses of wine. You need to hear what can happen Mm -hmm. when alcohol and drugs are used to numb your life or when it's used to deal with pain or if you have a genetic component that you were unaware of, because you just said something that's so important. And I, I've heard so many people I've worked with who deal with addiction say this, when their parents said to them, drugs are bad, alcohol is bad, and then they tried it and felt good. Mm. They're like, my parents are lying yep. to me Yep. because they're what telling else are they me this is about? bad. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If, if you're like, you know, weed is bad, it's awful. And then you smoke weed and you're like, wait a second. So we have to be honest that it can be an enjoyable feeling. Yeah. No one's denying that. It's it's just like Netflix. A show can be great, but you can't watch it all day long or use it to get out of your life. Or what's that's the, where it gets. Or bad. like what's the cost? Like in in the beginning part of your section on alcohol, it talks about um, brain development. Yeah. Like oh, that's there's good. a yeah. difference if there's a 47 year old man having four beers. And a 17-year-old man having four beers, like it's huge. And and I can tell you from experience, so so some of these things, I'm going to be a little, uh, now, now I'm going to um, contradict myself a little bit. That brain development piece for uh, drugs and alcohol, when, uh, when it's delivered by a trusted adult, that does give kids pause. Mm. They will listen to that. You know what I mean? Like they're not, they're not that reckless. They're, they, they want to know... They just want to know what the deal is kind of in, in a holistic way. And that's part of it. And that picture is like, huh, I didn't know that. Or I, I thought that was maybe a myth and it's not that big a deal because everybody seems to drink, you know? No, it's 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 a kind of a, it's a pretty big deal, you yeah. know? Like it really does affect your brain development. And with, with a few kids I've worked with, they've said, well, how, how do I know that you're not just telling me that to stop me from drinking? Mm-hmm. And I said, well... There are like really good studies that show that. And I've worked with a couple of kids who said, send them to me. Yeah. (laughs) Send me me a link, you know? And so I will. And and I love that. I love that, you know, okay, I'm going to gather evidence Mm -hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to be discerning about this. Kids do this with weed, by the way, all the time to build a case, right? You know, like, um, but sometimes they'll stumble upon evidence that like, works counter to their point of view, they'll bring that into the discussion. Um, They might not, they're smart and discerning, so they might, you know, bolster their point a little bit more than others. Can can I go back to one thing you said, Kathy? Um, So you talked about how your girls have um, their aunt who's in recovery. My son has an uncle and a grandfather um, who were both, who both had addiction problems. And what a lot of families that I know tend to do is 
they kind of look at like these passages. My, my brother uh, eventually took his own life. And what we tend to do is decide those are dark periods mm-hmm. in our family's history. So we're not going to we're not going to give our kids this context. This is going to be upsetting. Thanks for listening, yeah. everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. And while you're there, subscribe to our other podcast, Pop Culturing. Pop Culturing is a Generation X viewpoint on movies, TV, with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. We've already done Dead Poet Society, Say Anything, Sex in the City, Swingers, Bridesmaids, Stand By Me, a whole bunch of it. Basically, it was the podcast we were searching for, so we decided to create it. And it's time to get your tickets for the Zen Parenting Conference 2020. I got my tickets. The Chicago Tribune called it Lollapalooza for Parents. Parentapalooza. Yes. Zen Parenting Conference is like Lollapalooza for Parents. Um, so this year, we have women and girls leadership expert, Rachel Simmons. Can't wait. And we also have healthy masculinity expert and activist, Tony Porter. I love this man. I know. Todd and I love these two, and we love them so much that not only are they going to be keynotes, but they're also going to be doing midday breakouts. breakouts. So you can get some time with these two experts. This conference is for parents and teenagers, and if you don't have a teenager, but you have a five-year-old, They'll get to be teenagers, so this conference is for you. And for educators, and for therapists, and for counselors, and anybody who works with families or teens. And not just uh, moms. I want the dads. And that's why we're doing. That's what we're doing this year. Is we're focusing on gender, we're focusing on parenting, and we're focusing on leadership. And the theme for this year is there's more to the story. There is. There's more to all of these things than we realize. Um, And pre-conference workshop and Dr. John Duffy. Don't forget about that. Dr. John Duffy is going to be talking about his new book, Parenting the Teen in the Age of Anxiety. And then Todd and I are going to be giving a sex talk to parents and teens. Let's talk about these difficult things that we have such a hard time bringing up so we can support our kids and so our kids feel validated and heard. And we have a pre-conference for moms and we have a pre-conference workshop for dads. And on Saturday, we have a panel that is going to focus on transgender and on non-binary identification because we are talking about gender, but gender is not what we used to think of it as. That's right. It's not just women and men. There's much in between. So... We are going to be discussing that, and everyone's going to be leaving this conference with an expanded view of ourselves and others. You're going to leave inspired with tools in the toolbox. Uh, Mark your calendars, October 25th through the 27th. Kathy and I are going to be teaching at 1440 Multiversity in the California Redwoods near Santa Cruz. Uh, If you're interested, just go to our website, click on events. It's going to be off the hook. And then we also have this thing called Team Zen, which we talk about every week. Zero pressure, 100% support. Uh, We have two Zen Talks a month. You get an opportunity to ask us questions live. We have experts that we bring on to the Zen Talks. There's 60-plus podcasts that are not available to anybody else other than Team Zen members. There's a micro-community, Facebook page, discount, 
off of everything we offer, and it's 25 bucks a month, so you can't beat it. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you are there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. So this fall and this spring, Kathy and I are offering a talk. It's called Sex Education for the 21st Century. If you're interested, just go to our website, and you can find out more. Uh, so two things for guys. I do one-on-one coaching, so if you're interested, guys, go to toddadamscoaching.com for a session is free. We can do it virtually or in person. And don't forget about the Tribe Men's Group. Uh, we have uh, virtual meetings. We have in-person meetings. We do an annual retreat. And all we're trying to do is connect men in an authentic way so that we live longer, more fulfilling lives. And if you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Finally, I want to give special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net. Keep on trucking.